Mostly murder. Mostly murder. Hello everyone, this is Mostly Murder podcast number five, not Mambo number five. I'm Sophie and this is Max. Hi. And we are here to bring you this week's bi-weekly, monthly <laughs> instalment of yeah, Mostly Murder. We're slowly getting into the rhythm again. This week I set you the task of a British murder, didn't I? Yeah, a British underrated murder, you said. Yeah, a good one, but one I'd probably not heard of before. So like a hipster murder? Well, yeah. <laughs> Yes, please. Sorry. A murder that's not in the mainstream yet, but only the cool murder <laughs> In people. a few years, everyone will be talking about it, but for now, it's just this is just between me, you, and the listeners. So you're all about to be in on a big secret. <laughs> Next big thing. So I guess I'll just start. Yes. Shall I? Far Do away. we have any housekeeping? Um, no. <laughs> okay, good. Let's get on with it. So this week's murder, you said British underrated murder with a conclusion, I think. It was yes, very, it couldn't be unsolved, yeah. Was the very specific title. Yes, So theme. someone pointed out to me that in all the ones we've done so far, I say all, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've not got reams, have we? Yeah, all the hundreds and hundreds of podcasts we've done so far, all the murderers have been men. That's true. So I thought to kind of even things up a bit, or not really even, but you know, tilt the ratio towards, you know, even things up in terms of men and women murderers, I have chosen a British female murderer. Okay. And she has actually murdered so many people that she really does tilt the balance towards women herself. Yeah, okay. If you're doing it on a podcast that we have done, murders, oh no, actually, because we did H.H. Holmes, didn't we? And he, had... he did hundreds and hundreds, yeah. Maybe so hundreds. You, she's got some way to go. Yeah, she doesn't have that many. Okay. Scrap that. Screw that. Ignore Never that. mind. Delete that. Let's edit that bit out. Not really. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I can be bothered. <laughs> okay, so this murder story is the story of a woman called Mary Ann Cotton. Okay. So it happened <laughs> yeah. in the Victorian era. Okay, cool. So it's quite an old-timey murder. That's a classic murder setting, I think. Very Top spooky. Top hats, black and white. Yeah. Cholera. Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, Michael famous Caine. Famous murder story. Kermit. Yeah. There were ghosts in my Christmas Carol. That's true, actually, yeah. So, Mary Ann Cotton, anyway, was around in the Victorian era, and she was just a woman, just a regular woman. Yeah. But she killed up to 21 people. Not bad. Including 11 of her own 13 children. Oh. Three of her four husbands. Okay. One lover and her mum. Her own mum. A lot of children. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is... Not as impressive, but... No. And her weapon of choice... Yeah. Well, her only weapon, because weapon of choice makes it sound like it was her favourite weapon, but, like, her only weapon... Yeah, okay. ...was arsenic. Oh, okay. So in the Victorian times, arsenic was, like, everywhere. It was in makeup. It was in candles. Yeah, that's right. It was quite common. Like, mercury, wasn't it? It was quite a common substance. Yeah, it was literally everywhere. Products. It was in pots and pans, curtains, dresses, even wallpaper. (laughs) So, apparently, in the Victorian era, arsenic was responsible for over a third of homicides involving poison. Really? Because it was quiet, it was ordinary, you could put it in someone's cup of tea and it would dissolve and they wouldn't notice. Yeah. And then it also kind of, the things that it did to you, it made you like have a really upset stomach, so you like get the shits and like all this kind of horrible poisonous stuff happens to you. Yeah. But seeing as there was like super loads of poor people in the Victorian times that were all dying of like shit like that anyway. Right, you're not going to stand out. No, it's not like anyone's going to be like, oh, I wonder what this poor person died of, probably. And they always used to say it was gastroenteritis or, you know, gastric fever or some kind of unexplainable stomach upset because they didn't know about it because they were Victorian. Yeah. 
Yeah, doctors were pretty shit, weren't they? Yeah, sorry, Victorian doctors, if any of you are <laughs> well, listening. Well, they were, weren't they? I mean, yeah. they didn't even wash their hands, did they? Well, have you got a source for that claim? I think, honestly, I think it's not until the turn of the te- 20th century that it was popularised, the idea of washing your hands before carrying out, you know, major surgery or anything like that. Yeah, well, but maybe I'm we can... Sure. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we can do doctor murders next time. Maybe. So, back to Mary Ann Cotton. Story for another week. Mary Ann Cotton, by the way. So, Mary Ann, she was born Mary Ann Robson, and she okay. was born on Halloween. Ooh, okay. Obviously. I like it. So was my granny. Oh, okay. Hi, granny. Shout out to granny. In 1832 in Sunderland. So, okay. it's like super British murder. Yeah. Yeah, not even London. No. So her family moved when she was eight, so her dad could work in a mine. Okay. Um, but he was killed, he fell and died when she was ten. Uh, so her mum remarried a year later, and they didn't really get on. She didn't get on with her new stepdad. So kind of to escape the life living with her stepdad, she left home when she was 16 to work as a servant in a rich household somewhere nearby. No one ever complained about the work that she did. She was very good at her job, keeping okay. things clean, apparently. Good. Well, and a little, another little fact is that arsenic was actually in soap some uh, soap okay. so maybe she you know she had arsenic skills from an early age <laughs> so no one ever complained her school report <laughs> <laughs> so no one ever complained about her work anyway but they did start to gossip about her already even though she was 16 <gasps> okay so soon after she started working as a maid the kind of people in the local town were spreading tales about illicit meetings between Marianne and a local churchman and was she sleeping with the head of the house or kind of you know kind of <laughs> okay. gossipy things like that yeah. So she went back to her mum's house anyway for a bit, trained as a dressmaker, but then she became a nurse. And then after that, she decided that, you know, she was time to get a husband. Yep. So in yep. 1852, when she was 20 years old, she married uh, a labourer, another guy who worked in the mine like her dad did, in Newcastle. Okay. So she was married by the age of 20. And they moved to Plymouth together, hmm. I guess for work, it doesn't say. It's quite hard to find newspaper articles from... <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But apparently they did not get along very well. They argued all the time about money. mary was obsessed about never becoming poor. She really, really did not want to be poor. Mm. Not much chance if you're born in Sunderland, to be honest, but... Maybe in yeah, Victorian dream, times. So the fights got so bad that actually William, the husband, decided that he wanted to get some peace and he got a job on a steamship. <laughs> so he right, was okay. often not around Brilliant. you know Yeah. so that was in Sunderland the steamship so they moved back up to Sunderland again uh, really yeah and then Marianne and the children moved up back to Sunderland so everybody's right, back okay. in Sunderland okay. so the couple had five children together four of whom died from gastric fever oh okay mm-hmm and then they moved back up there. They had three more children who all also died. Oh. Yeah. So at this time, you know, William's off doing his steamship shit. Mary's at home killing the kids. Yeah. And then, yeah. so, you know, they're kind of living separate lives a little bit. I guess he comes back, knocks her up. She... A little bit, yeah. Where the kids are, oh, they're dead. Yeah. Uh, so he came back anyway off the steamship because he had a, a he injured his foot or something on the boat. Okay. So and Marianne decided that she was you know she'd help out to look after him. Yeah, all right. She was going to nurse him better. Good. But later that month he died from a sudden intestinal disorder. Oh yeah. And he had no evidence of that before he came back off the steamship and started being looked after by his lovely no. wife. So the doctor went to the house to console the grieving widow, but he was surprised when he found Marianne dancing around the room in a new dress that she bought with the money oh. from his life insurance. <laughs> so, and I think, you know, hold up, this is her first kind of husband murder, and the guy, the doctor goes around, he's like, hmm, that's strange. 
She still has a lot more people to kill. Yeah, yeah. That was only husband number one. Yeah, and with the children as well. But then that's the really horrible thing. Infant mortality was so high in the Victorian mm. era that that's not even that's really suspicious at all I at think, this point, is it? No, the, and the sort of common feeling about it at the time was that they were just very unlucky. Yes, well, yeah. 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 So the life insurance was £35. Ooh. Um, although back then in old-timey money, that was like half a that's year's wages. That's not bad, yeah. That's pretty yeah. good, yeah. So that was like, yeah, half your... Half, Probably got a really nice dress with that. Half year's wages. Yeah. So anyway, he died, William Mowbray. Okay. Sorry, William. And she moved to somewhere else in County Durham. I would say where it was, but I don't think it'll be anything. But County too. Durham specifically. County else. Durham. Um, where okay. she kind of struck up a relationship with this other guy called Joseph Natras. Okay. Okay, so kind of, she set her sights on Joseph. She seems to get along really well with men. She never has a problem getting herself mm. another husband yeah. or a boyfriend. Yeah. But anyway, Joseph was engaged to another woman. Oh, no. I, and uh, uh, try as she might, Mary could not break them up. <laughs> so he married this I other... I can see where this one's going. So he married this other woman, and Marianne decided, oh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to Sunderland. Oh, okay. All right. I'll yeah. let that one go. All yeah. Right. But during this whole time, while she was trying to break up this guy's marriage before... Yeah got married yeah. another one of her children died her three and a half year old daughter oh really yeah baggage yeah so she went back to Sunderland and she took up employment at the Sunderland infirmary so she became a nurse brilliant that's that's exactly who you want yeah that's exactly who you want um, and she sent her one remaining child Isabella to live with her mum oh, so okay. she's a single woman now she is you yeah, know, free of children free children. of husbands yeah. and she's working so she's not poor and apparently at the infirmary she kept the ward so clean with a mixture of soap and arsenic that all the staff admired her diligence Ah. and her friendliness with the patients. Okay. So one of her patients was an engineer called George Ward. Yeah. They got on pretty well. Yeah. And they got married. Oh, okay. So she's on to husband number two now. Yeah. He continued to be sick. So he was in the hospital anyway, so he already kind of was sick. Okay. And he died not that long after they got married, a year later, which was, he had a lot of, he was paralysed and he also had a lot of intestinal problems. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know, right, I know. Okay. Yeah. So the doctor gave evidence, he said yes, he had been really sick for yeah. a long time, but he yeah. was surprised, you know, that he actually just died, because he was like, oh yeah, he was sick, but I'm, you know, pretty surprised he was that sick all of a sudden, yeah. that was it, a whole year. Mm. So again, Mary collected insurance money from the husband's death. Yeah. So late, way, way, way later, like at the trial, eventually at the end, people were like, why did nobody, <laughs> why, like... Yeah. This yeah. is kind of getting a little bit kind of familiar, isn't it? This whole marry and the life insurance and the dying thing. Yeah. But, you know, she had different doctors come to the family and she relocated all the time. You know, she's moved around yeah, a bit at the moment. Yeah, she's moved around a fair bit. Yeah, I mean, that's one end of the country to the other, Plymouth to fucking Sunderland. Yeah, and then she moved over to Durham and then she moved back to Durham Sunderland across. again. Yeah, yeah. So, Marianne Cotton is a widow again. Yeah. So, again, she is in a good position to take up another job and she does and she decides this time that she's going to be a housekeeper for a guy guy called James Robinson and he works on ships in Sunderland so another kind of ship guy another okay. labourer type guy and he is newly widowed so he doesn't have um, his wife has freshly died <laughs> yeah, freshly died that was horrible so, <laughs> so um, this was ages ago we and she was so. called Hannah so he hired Mary Ann as a housekeeper in November 1866 but one month later James and Hannah's baby died of gastric ah. so one month after Mary Ann Cotton was in the house That's, the baby that, died that of gastric really yeah. annoying now mm. all these people don't so he was James was distraught, understandably. Yeah. Because he's lost his wife and his baby in a short space of time. So he turned to his housekeeper for comfort. Mm. His housekeeper, Marianne. Yeah. So pretty soon afterwards, she was pregnant. Yep. So they sort of, they planned to get married because okay. he's impregnated her. No, it's an illicit baby at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to get married. 
But uh, Marianne's mum, who still lived in County Durham, got sick. So Marianne oh. had to leave James Robinson's house and go and look after her mum. So when she arrived to look after her mum, her mum was doing a lot better. Because I suppose, you know, it's a bit of a journey. She was feeling a lot better. Yeah. But Marianne decided she was going to stay and look after her anyway. And also her daughter Isabella was living with the mum anyway. That's remember? Right. So yeah, she was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to, you know, pay a visit. <laughs> but soon after Marianne arrived, her mum started complaining of stomach pains. Oh, really? And she died nine days after Marianne arrived oh. to look after her. This is, just, this is just terrible. Like. Yeah, even though she was feeling a lot better mm. when Marianne arrived, which yeah. is just super horrible. <laughs> yeah. what a so Marianne took what? her daughter Isabella back to the Robinson house, so the house where Marianne was working. Yes, with the guy. That's right. Yeah, with the guy. Yeah. But soon after she brought Isabella back, Isabella started having bad stomach pains and died. Uh-huh. As did two more of James Robinson's children. Oh. Yeah. So he's lost three children now since Marianne has been in the house and one of her own. Yeah. So, but apparently he didn't suspect any wrongdoing okay. on Marianne's part. Um, yeah. He was obviously sad, but he put his mourning aside in time and he married her. Ah, good. That's and, the spirit. Back on the horse. Yeah. And also there's like a kind of little point here that she said her surname was Mowbray, which was the name of her first husband so she kind of forgot the second husband <laughs> that she'd also been married again but never mind yeah so the baby that she was pregnant with at the time the baby was born in november but it had died of illness by the first of march 1868 uh, okay. and it doesn't say whether that's you know kind of that could yeah see that could have just happened i mean yeah not likely but yeah. so james wasn't still wasn't suspicious about the no. fact that all his children had died Dying. since marianne had been around but i'll tell you what he was suspicious about his household finances. Ooh, okay. So James was apparently always like super punctual with paying his bills and he didn't run up any debts or anything like that. But he kept getting letters from the building society saying that he had a lot of debt. So Marianne had actually been running up debts without his knowledge. <laughs> and right. he was also kind of getting annoyed because she kept saying that he should get his life insured. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, that was a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And then he found out that she had run up £60 worth of debt. So if you're thinking like £35 is half a year's wages, that's like a whole year's wages so she's run up that much debt without telling him and also she's stolen another 50 pounds that he gave to her to put in the bank oh really and then he found out that she had been forcing his remaining children yeah to pawn household valuables for her so she's actually been raiding <laughs> the house going missing as well yeah how does one commit fraud in that way back in the day before you know debit cards or whatever because do you know what i mean like she can't go down to the bank with a fake beard and go hello i'm i don't know i guess maybe she would write a fake letter or something yeah maybe that maybe, yeah 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 so they had another child though during this time okay. that they were together yep, yep. who didn't die oh okay Anyway, James Robinson found out all the stuff that she'd been running up debts, and you know what he did? He kicked her out. <gasps> did so he? he had a lucky escape. He did not die yeah, at any wow, point. Okay. He, he just lost die. a lot of children. A lot of children. Yeah. So he kicked her out, but he kicked her out with her daughter, with their daughter as well. So he kicked both of them out. Okay. And she actually was so poor that she was living on the streets. The kind of like, like the exact type thing she did not want to happen. Remember, she had this real yeah. fear of being like super poor. Yeah. And she just really, really didn't want to be poor. So she actually ended up living on the streets. She bumped into a friend one day, and they went to visit and like someone that they knew together so she asked someone else to look after the little girl um, yeah. and she left and she never came back oh, okay. so the little girl was actually returned to James Robinson so she lived with James Robinson for the rest oh, of okay. her life so oh. those two escaped well that's nice sort of sort of yeah so far there's <laughs> not been a lot of good news yeah. as of yet so at this point Marianne she's got rid of her daughter not by killing her for once just by abandoning this time Okay. she's living on the streets she's really poor she's having a really shit time Yeah. she has a friend called 
Margaret, who introduced her to her brother. Right. So this woman called Margaret Cotton has a brother called Frederick, who is a widower again, and yeah. he lives in Northumberland. So two of his four children have already died, and his wife has died. And his sister, Margaret, has been kind of acting as a kind of substitute mother for the remaining children. Yeah. Like, looking after them, whatever. So Mary Ann went to stay with them, and then all of a sudden, Margaret died from an undetermined stomach ailment. Ah, uh, stomach But luckily, yeah. Mary Ann was there to console the grieving Frederick Senior. Yeah. And look after his two children, Frederick Jr. and Charles. And she was also pregnant again pretty oh, okay. soon afterwards. Yeah. So after she got pregnant, Frederick and Marianne got married. She kind of forgot that she was actually already married to James. So it was a bigamist marriage. Oh, but, she you know, forgetting. She doesn't really give a shit. Well, she didn't, he didn't die. She didn't kill him. So her other husbands that she murdered, so she was free again. But this time she just got kicked out. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. can't be easy to lose track in that way, can it? Yeah. Okay, right. So it's a bigamist marriage. So she's married to Frederick. Cotton, so now she is Marianne Cotton, the name that we know yeah, her as. Yeah, that's the name we have now, yeah. Um, she gives birth to a baby boy called Robert, yep. and then she is looking after Frederick Jr. and Charles. So there's three boys in the house yep. at this point. So quickly she kind of settled in to his house, she kind of become the lady of the house, and yep. she pretty quickly ensured the lives of Frederick Cotton, her husband, and she also ensured the lives of his two sons as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, so, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's, you know, pretty good. She doesn't fuck around, does she? She doesn't, no. Getting pregnant, insurance. She gets yeah. to work, doesn't she? Yeah, she's busy. She was a busy lady. Yeah. So she's living there. She's married. She's Marianne Cotton. She's got Frederick and she's got the three boys. And then she kind of hears that... Remember that guy, Joseph Natras? So she wanted to marry him, but he married another woman anyway. Oh, yeah. So she kind of had to give up. Yeah. 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 So she finds out he's actually moved back. So he's living pretty close oh, now. Okay. And he's no longer married. Oh. Yeah. So she kind of rekindled that little romance. And she managed to persuade her whole family to move closer to where he lived somehow. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, after they moved over there, obviously, what do you think happened? Some of them got sick. Yes, her husband died. Yeah. yeah. So she convinces Frederick to move somewhere closer to be, closer to her lover. And then she kills yeah. Frederick. Okay. From gastric fever. Gastric fever, yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. stomach ailments again. After Frederick died and he was out of the way, Joseph Natras became Marianne's lodger. So he okay. moved into the house where she was living with the three boys and she became a nurse again. So this time she was a nurse, kind of a personal nurse for like this officer guy who had smallpox and he was called John Quick Manning. And soon she was pregnant by him uh-huh. with her 12th child. So she was living with one lover, pregnant by another. 12th child? Yeah, 12th child. But obviously she couldn't really marry him or anything because she was still lumbered with these three children yeah. from her last marriage. Yeah. So they had to be out of the way. So yeah, well, yeah, she, she yeah, usually can... has a plan for that, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, so Frederick Jr. mysteriously died in 1872, um... and her own son, Robert, died shortly after that. Yeah. She convinced Joseph Natras, who was her lodger, yeah, to yeah. change his will so that everything came to her. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, he got sick and he died too. Does she just pick on really thick people? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. She hasn't changed tack once. She keeps doing the same thing exactly over and the over same again. Thing. And it works every time. And she's going up a little class each time she does it as well. She is, yeah, that's she's true. She's getting people with more money to leave to her. Yeah. Because she had to, his whole life insurance was £35 for the first time, but then the second time she was like stealing. 60 pounds and 50 pounds so it's like yeah, this a guy lot was, more money yeah, exactly. yeah and apparently you know she would have been it kind of is a sign of the times because in the Victorian times you could move house a lot more like she relocated a lot of times whereas yeah, that's right. 100 years before that or something you would just live in the same kind of like farming town mm, or, yeah you often want to move and you wouldn't move 50 miles beyond the place of your birth yeah, yeah and everybody would notice that all your husbands and children were dying yes whereas if you keep moving okay so this sort of social mobility like this 
yeah. you know, literally social mobility has enabled her to do this, kind of carry out this lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So Mary Ann Cotton at this point is pregnant by this guy called John Quick Manning. She's got rid of her last husband, her fourth husband. She's yep. got rid of her lodger lover, Joseph. Yep. Yep. All that she has left is one son, mm. stepson, yeah, Charles. Yeah, it doesn't look good for Charles. It doesn't look good for Charles. And especially because she did, he was one of the people that she put life insurance out. So she still hasn't yeah. collected that life insurance for Charles. Yeah. So, in late spring in 1872, Mary sent Charles to a chemist to purchase a small quantity of arsenic. Uh-huh. She's making him buy his Just own from, poison. From, from the chemist there. That's yes. good. Well, apparently you can still buy it from the chemist because it was a, something in soap or something. Yeah. But the chemist turned him away and said, like, no, you're under 21. It's against the law. I can't <laughs> the sell it. The first sensible person yeah, in this I can't sell you any arsenic. chemist in Northumberland. So Marianne was like, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it, Charles. I'll just get the neighbor. Don't worry. I'll get some later. Yeah, yeah, no. So she got... No, she didn't buy herself. She didn't even buy it herself. She got the neighbors to go out and get it. <laughs> so this was in, like, the Brilliant. late spring. So I guess, like, May or something. And then in July... Charles died of gastric fever. Uh, but Marianne had been in living in this area, it's called West Auckland, for a while. Yeah. And she told this like kind of church guy, a government church guy, okay. Thomas Riley, a couple of weeks before he died, that she was interested in sending him to a workhouse because she wanted to get rid of him. Charles. Oh, right, okay. And he was like, the only way that you can put him in a workhouse is if you go as well. You can't just dump your children in a That's workhouse. That's right, yeah. And she was like, ah, oh, no. Like, <laughs> Forget <laughs> it then. Yeah. yeah. Forget I said anything. Yeah. Church guy. She was like, oh, he's kind of in the way of me getting married to this John Quick guy so can I really put him in the workhouse and he was like no and she was like oh never mind you know he'll go (laughs) and the guy was like "Mm, okay but didn't do anything about it but he was like oh the boy looks pretty healthy you know like whatever fine Yeah. but then five days later she said oh he's died yeah he's dead so this guy was like uh Excuse me? She's kind of blown it, I think, because that was a really stupid thing to say. She's got a bit sloppy, hasn't she? Yeah. She ran a pretty tight ship earlier, but yeah. not so much now. So this Thomas Riley guy, anyway, the first person in the whole freaking story went to the police. Yes. And a doctor. Good. And said, you know, I'm kind of suspicious of this woman that everybody keeps dying, and she told me that she wanted to send her boy to the workhouse and he was healthy, but now he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the doctor was like, hmm, I'm quite surprised. Because, like, he'd seen him a few times, apparently, the week before. And he was like, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. So this Thomas Riley guy said, don't write a death certificate yet until, you know, you have a little bit more information about <laughs> okay. this. So the first thing that Mary Ann did, she, she didn't know that this was going on, like, that they were suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Was um, she went off to the insurance office. Mm. Yeah, well, she's got some money to pick up. She does have some money to pick up. But they said that, you know, you can't get any money until you have a death certificate. Uh, <sighs> and then he was delaying the death certificate. I would have thought she would have known this by now. Well, maybe, well, she didn't know the death certificate had been delayed. Surely she's got all the forms pre-filled out. Yeah. <laughs> she always has a black pen by the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She always writes in capital letters. Yeah, she, she knows. Never makes a Back to France. She knows her national insurance number by heart now. Yeah, she never puts her birthday in today's date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but there was an inquest okay. into how he died. But the jury said it was natural causes. Oh, really? Yep. Mary Ann convinced everybody that she had used arrowroot to try and relieve the boy's illness, which might have been why he died, and that Thomas Riley was just making shit up because he tried to come onto her and she wasn't interested. <laughs> and I mean, she does... Say that, church boy. Everybody does seem to like her a lot. She does seem to be a total magnet for men. A man yes, magnet. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that was that, and that was closed. But... 
the newspapers latched onto the story. Okay. Scandal. And then they did a little bit of digging of their own around northern England and discovered that she had actually lost three husbands, a lover, a friend, her mother, and 12 children, all from stomach fever. Right. So it kind of got, like, really, really heated up in the press until they were kind of forced to do something about it. So there was another inquiry after that. Uh, okay. So the doctor who had looked after Charles, the doctor was surprised. It was like, that's quite a healthy boy, and now he's died of stomach fever. Yeah. Just like a lot of other people. Yeah. Had kept some of his stomach or liver or whatever. Yeah, okay. And then he tested them. So similar to when we were talking about the Japan oh, yeah. murder last week, she that's just happened right, to yeah. keep a bit of a liver. Yeah. So he tested the bit that they had kept of Charles and tested positive for arsenic. Uh, okay. So the doctor obviously went straight to the police who arrested Mary Ann and then they, they were ordered to take the body up, dig the body up, you know, yeah, and yeah, test yeah, it yeah, and yeah. work it out. And she was charged with murder okay. and put into prison. Yeah. But she was still pregnant at this point. Was she? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, okay. yeah, she was waiting to marry John Quick Manning. That's why she needed to get rid of all these children because she was pregnant with his child. Oh. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I'm losing count. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment we are at three husbands, a lover, a friend, her mother, and 12 children. Yeah. All died of stomach fever. Finally been arrested. Yeah. Finally been arrested. So her trial began on the 5th of March, 1873. So she was in jail for a while until it started. Yeah. um, Because she was still pregnant with a child. So she gave birth to her child before the trial started. So the, the child who she called Margaret which is the name of the person, another one of the people that she killed. Mm. don't know if that makes a difference. I'd feel weird about doing that. I'd feel a little bit weird about that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've po- Whatever. I mean, there, there, there was a popular name at the time, I imagine, wasn't it? Poor Margaret. Probably hard to avoid killing someone who was called Margaret. But, yeah. So the whole time the trial was on, she continued to say she was innocent. Right, okay. And she wrote, like, loads of letters to her friends and... <laughs> friends? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to her friends. Who's, who's not dead? I mean, bloody hell, come on. And she wrote a letter to her estranged husband James oh, the, Robinson the one that, the one that got away yeah. and asked him yeah, to bring asked him to bring her child and children to visit her in prison yeah yeah uh, and he was like uh, she got some balls isn't she uh, no well she she was like if you have one spark of kindness in you get my life spared there's been dreadful lies about you you are the cause of all my trouble if you had not abandoned me <laughs> yeah so she's kind of like but she's still saying she's innocent and it's all his fault but he like totally ignored that yeah. letter she wrote to him again and again and asked him to come and visit her he sent his brother-in-law instead he didn't come himself but he kind of said that they were putting a petition out in support of her and loads of people supported her and really? Said, yeah and said oh. that she didn't do it okay so I think she was really good at lying yeah really good at lying but it was no good no. she was found guilty oh dear but I think it's important to say at this point she was actually only found guilty of Charles's death that's right yeah she wasn't on trial for any of the other previous ones was no she? so on the March the 24th 1873 she was led out to the gallows oh she got the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Makes yeah. sense. But there was a, the guy who was doing it, like the hangman, was like super old. Oh, God. Uh, so <laughs> he did it wrong. It? So he didn't measure it properly. So she didn't drop very far. She only dropped like three inches or something. So it took quite a long time for her to be slowly strangled to death. Yeah, because if your neck doesn't break, you just have to be choked and mm-hmm. asphyxiated. Yeah. Hanging there, which is awful, yeah. Yeah. That's why hanging is terrible. That's why hanging is horrible. And, well, killing, the state killing people is odd, but yeah, and fine. nice, yeah. Yeah, okay, great. So that's a grisly end. So that is a grisly end. So afterwards, kind of researchers and people who've been looking into it reckon that actually, you know, a couple of them probably just died of natural causes. Uh, law of averages, yes. I'm sure some of them did. Yeah. Given but infant mortality rates. The yes. lowest guess is 15. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, quite a lot. So, 10 of her own children. Yeah. Three husbands, five stepchildren, her mum, her ex-husband, one of her dead husband's sisters, and her lover. That will do, yeah. And people think that it was literally just for the money. Yeah. And then people that she saw were obstacles. She was, yeah, yeah, definitely. She she sounded like a complete psychopath. She wouldn't, her own children, her mother, she didn't care at all. She was just kind of socially aspirational, wasn't she? That was all she cared about. So, I mean, I think it's pretty wild that, like, she did all that stuff and you don't really have heard of her. Like... No, I... She killed way more people than Jack the Ripper, for example. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, maybe it's one of those things that it kind of got buried, because if it happened in the North, anything in that didn't happen out in London... No, but you know what I mean? The Victorian era, any time before the 1900s, even before the 1950s, really, if it didn't happen in London, then people aren't really going to remember it. Maybe. Maybe it's just because it's There's poisoning rather than... industrial working class towns, they didn't have a voice, did they? No one cared, they were shit, did they? Maybe it's because it's poisoning rather than... <laughs> well, it's that as well, I suppose. Like and, and it's anything that a woman does, no one cares, it's not going to capture the imagination in quite the same way. Equal rights for murderers. Yeah, I know. But she had um, a nursery rhyme written about her. Oh, okay, creepy. Afterwards. Super creepy. That I can sing to you if Why you want. Why rhyme so creepy? This one is creepy. It's a song for children. Mary... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. She's <laughs> just babbling. <laughs> yeah, I'm just rambling, go ahead. Mary Ann Cotton, dead and forgotten. She lies in her bed with her eyes wide open sing sing oh what can i sing marianne cotton is tied up with string where where up in the air selling black puddings a penny a pair <laughs> sort of embellished at the end there i don't recall in your story whoever selling a single black pudding no but i suppose maybe she might have fed some people pudding poison pudding ah oh, poison pudding of course yeah. poison pudding <laughs> what's for dinner kid what's for dinner mum Poison pudding. What? I'm a bit... Uh, pudding. Pudding. Mm-mm. Normal, regular pudding. Normal. Tastes like arsenic. It's not. Normal, regular, delicious, <laughs> arsenic-free pudding. Yeah, delicious arsenic. I don't think you can taste it that much, actually. No? No. Well, yeah, I mean, that was when it gets so handy. Yeah. I mean, like, mercury, a very distinctive, acrid yeah taste was arsenic i think sort of untraceable cup of tea i think hot liquid so yeah well that's all right i mean no one's gonna say no to that are they if i come home and you're like a cup of tea i'll go yeah go on then. Shall I put the cup and then in? i'll be done yeah that's it and I'm, there's no way around that so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking at you and i can just see a big check for 35 <laughs> <laughs> yeah all of my riches yeah, yeah. Well, this, all you'll get is the student loans company on your case going yeah. oh, by the way carpeted of gastric fever and he didn't pay us yeah so that was the story of Marianne Cotton anyway well that was um, that was very Victorian yeah. yeah poisoning with arsenic a lot of my facts from that one came from an article by David Wilson who's a professor of criminology at Birmingham University hello hey. yeah, alumni yeah. um, and also from Murderpedia Murderpedia is pretty handy yeah yeah I do like Murderpedia so I kind of put it all together from there yeah well that was great that was that, that was pretty creepy it's very Victorian um some nice touches. It's kind mm. of nice classic evil witch trope, isn't it? Yeah, lots of murders, but gentle murders. Mm. None of this kind of like raping and chopping. No, no. A, a woman's touch is, nice. is definitely yeah. a lot gentler, yeah. <laughs> so what's next week's theme? <laughs> um, God, I really haven't thought about it. Um, you have one job. I know, I know, I know, I know. I was so captivated. Maybe I did have one and I forgot it. Um, okay, well, it's the last episode, so we've really got to pull out the big guns, haven't we? Mm-hmm. So shall I give you a really tough one? Yeah, go on. Okay, something related to... I'm literally, I'm looking around the room frantically. Um, I'm going to pick something out that I can see, and you're going to have to base a murder on it, okay? Um, okay, this is a great podcast. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so just edit out all the ums. Um, how about um, art-themed? I'm art? Looking, I'm looking at a, uh, like a print, like a modern art. 
sort of print at the minute. So about some sort of modern art. Okay. Themed. Doesn't sounds... have to be modern, sorry, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Like I'm saying sure in a gallery yeah. or yeah. like a thief or something like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Challenge accepted. All right then. Good. Anything else? Um, we have to do the catchphrase. We've been doing the, the catchphrase in a few weeks now. Oh yeah. What um, is it? For all of our listeners. All our listeners. Thank you all for listening. We need a name for our listeners as well, like uh, you know. Murderlets. Murder. Yeah, murderlets. Murderlets. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Murderlets. <laughs> murderlets. Need to do the catchphrase. A little bit of murder is good for you. And hi also to Yana, the underseas listener who was annoyed that she didn't get shout out with the overseas listeners. All last right. Week. We, well, we can't keep this up. We can't be shouting out to everyone because otherwise it just becomes a we end up like the bloody film review show, won't we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Not you know. You know what I mean. Okay. I like to keep it snappy. Subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice review if you want to. Yeah, or a bad one. If you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. But yeah, but thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll catch you on the flip side. Motherfuckers! (laughs) Bye! Bye Bye-bye.